All right, and we are live. Welcome to Stacking Mondays, guys. My name is Mirko. I'm the CEO of Stacking Awards, and today is my pleasure to be with uh, Ken Timsit, head of Kronos Chain and CEO of Kronos Labs. Uh, welcome, Ken. Yeah, hi, Mirko. Hi, everyone. Uh, I love this podcast, so it's a great pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. It's so great to have you on the show. Um, so obviously, like Kronos Chain is a, is a layer one EVM blockchain based on the Cosmos SDK. Um, and uh, today we'll talk about that. Um, and yeah, let's jump right into it. So um, obviously, like Kronos Chain is supported by Crypto.com, uh, which is one of the largest custodial crypto wallet providers in the world, basically. Um, how does Kronos Chain fit into the strategy of Crypto.com? Yeah, excellent question. So uh, Crypto.com on one hand and Kronos on the other hand are two separate organizations and projects. Right? So on one hand, you have a custodial crypto exchange, which is regulated uh, or about to be regulated in most of the countries where they operate. And uh, on the other hand, you have Kronos. So Kronos is an open source project. So it's an open source blockchain technology. It's also a decentralized network, and therefore it's not something that exists as a legal entity, even though we have Kronos Labs, which is kind of the, the team that facilitates uh, the governance of Kronos. And so I think you know, the, the, genesis, the origin story of Kronos uh, is really, um, from a technology standpoint, that origin story comes from the Cosmos community. Uh, within the Cosmos community, um, uh, the, you know, the, the Cosmos SDK and Thundermint were being developed and a subgroup of people within the Cosmos community started thinking, hey, it would be cool if we were able to develop an EVM compatible, so Ethereum compatible module on top of Cosmos te technology so that anyone is able to create and deploy a robust Ethereum compatible blockchain. And uh, Crypto.com, uh, the exchange, saw that project started and found it very interesting um, and uh, decided to contribute to it uh, you know, as one of the organizations co contributing to, the, to its development. But Crypto.com is not the only one. You know, the Evmos team, or the, what was at the time called the Tharsis team, has also developed, you know, participated in the development of uh, Ethermint, which is that technology that I'm uh, talking about. So in the end, what the result of all of that is uh, Kronos, which is, as I said, an open source project and decentralized network, um, which um, you know, uh, aims to be as open and interoperable as any other Ethereum compatible network. But at the same time, it's cheaper, faster uh, than Ethereum, and soon it will be carbon neutral. And so when you're looking at it from the standpoint of a crypto exchange like crypto.com, their mission, the reason why they were created, is because they want to promote the adoption of cryptocurrency in the world. And they really believe in the promise of uh, crypto, right? Self-custody, uh, agency, uh, financial freedom uh, from uh, mono no monopolistic um, uh, financial, you know, financial institutions. And so for them, uh, participating in the creation of Kronos which is again, fast, cheap, eco-friendly, and therefore easy to use for mainstream crypto users is part and parcel of what they see as their mission uh, in promoting cryptocurrencies. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great to hear that it's actually like a community project and then was kind of like started to be supported by crypto.com. 
Um, and is like, are, are there any like integrations with the crypto.com wallet or something? Or like, is it just like crypto.com wants to make like open source contributions and also like, um, yeah, support the whole like um, open source and like uh, decentralized space or um, does it intertwine with, with each other kind of um, more deep, deeply? So uh, you have to think about the journey of a crypto user uh, like a journey. Uh, so usually it starts with a crypto exchange, and that means the on-ramp, you know, converting fiat to either Bitcoin or Ether. And then as those users become more comfortable with crypto, they can experiment with uh, products and protocols, which are harder to understand. So in the case of the crypto.com user, they will typically start with the crypto.com app, which is the custodial exchange. And uh, at, at some point in their journey, they are likely to uh, also download the crypto.com DeFi wallet, which is a self-custodial wallet developed and offered by crypto.com uh, that operates as a separate uh, application on your mobile. The two applications can be linked, uh, which makes it easier for you to top up your self-custodial wallet, for example. Uh, but they are uh, two separate applications and therefore and the second one is, again, uh, more for advanced users. When it comes to that second application, that second application has numerous, numerous uh, touch points and integrations uh, with Kronos. Uh, so most of the, let's say, cr you know, uh, credible um, and safe Kronos applications are available from the crypto.com DeFi wallet, either as native integrations or uh, from the DAP browser. And uh, of course, for an exchange like crypto.com, it's easier to provide visibility and exposure to those applications when they are involved in the technical direction of the project. And uh, they, they know where the, the protocol is going and they have confidence that it's a network that is here to stay and is making conservative decisions uh, with respect to user safety. So yeah, so that integration go, uh, is mainly through the crypto.com DeFi wallet. Awesome, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then, um, so th there's actually like, um, there are two different chains supported by crypto.com. One is Kronos uh, chain and one is the crypto.org chain. Um, how, like, what's the relation between these two different chains that crypto.com is supporting? And yeah. Yeah, so you can think of the, so the crypto.org chain is an older project, right? It's a project that uh, is already a couple of years old. The crypto.org chain is a Cosmos chain and it's really built uh, with the vision of Cosmos behind it. Uh, the vision of Cosmos is that uh, most chains are application-specific chains. They are not meant to be you know, open to a, any developer. And so the crypto.org chain really um, conforms to that vision, to that worldview. So the crypto.org chain is a chain that is used mainly by crypto.com for staking, payment, uh, transfer of NFTs, uh, but it's not an ecosystem, right? You can't, uh, as a developer, you can't create an app and deploy it to the crypto.org chain. Uh, so it's a chain uh, that is uh, a very efficient uh, chain when it comes to running the plumbing uh, under some of the crypto.com products, uh, but it's very different from Kronos. So by contrast, Kronos, uh, even though it's also a Cosmos chain, it's designed to be uh, Ethereum compatible. So any developer can write smart contracts, deploy those smart contracts, create uh, decentralized applications, in fact, there are already more than 300 applications that have chosen Kronos as their home. Uh, and so you know, Kronos is uh, more than a chain. It's really an ecosystem of third-party applications. Uh, and that's how it's uh, very different from crypto.org.
Right, yeah. So basically, Kronos is like a, a smart contract chain where you can deploy dApps. Um, and crypto.org, you can't, it's not a smart contract platform. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, for, for everyone listening here, um, feel free to drop your questions for Ken. Um, we have him on the show today to talk about Kronos uh, and um, everything that goes alongside with it. So yeah, just drop your questions and we'll address them in the end. Um, and okay, so for Kronos, for like what are the main goals for the development and the go-to-market for, for the whole Kronos ecosystem, like which is driven by, by Kronos Labs? So the whole vision, uh, and I guess the reason why we exist is uh, to drive the next generation of users towards Web3. So when you look at crypto and Web3 today, you have around 350 million people around the world who hold some crypto. Uh, and out of them, maybe 30 to 50 million are using self-custodial wallets and interacting directly with decentralized applications on Ethereum or other uh, L1 and L2s. And so when you're asking yourself, okay, you know, what's going to be the next, the next generation of dApps and NFTs and Web3 games, it is actually those other 300 million that I mentioned earlier, which are uh, user, you know, users of a crypto exchange, but have not yet made that jump to self-custody and full Web3. And so you know, our vision and the reason why we exist is to make it a little bit easier uh, for those exchange users to migrate to self-custody and DeFi and NFTs. And therefore, there are two, again, two or three main uh, components to that vision that enable it. Right, so the first element of that vision is our partnership with Crypto.com. So we have access to the users and we're able to provide them with a convenient channel to, for that migration. Uh, second uh, important component to that vision, it's what I said earlier, it's having a chain that is fast, cheap and eco-friendly because we know that uh, transaction fees, uh, transaction, transaction speed and the, and the energy, energy cost of blockchain have been uh, big hurdles and uh, blockers for the adoption of Web3 for many users. Uh, and thirdly, you know, we're trying to uh, make sure that uh, the third component is trying to make sure that Kronos is a safe chain that is here to stay, that has ample financial runway. Uh, because you know, with the collapse of Terra, for example, uh, of course, for many users at the at the forefront of their, of their mind is, you know, what guarantees do I have that the ch the chain where I'm putting my savings uh, is going to be here, you know, five years from now? And so we're really you know, trying to make sure that we are conservative and cautious when it comes to the technical direction of the project. And so with, with those three components, uh, we're trying to offer a bridge uh, for that next generation of users uh, to come to Web3. That's amazing, yeah. So, and and then with like the the access to the large user base of Crypto.com, like how independent is Kronos actually in terms of development and like making decisions, like from from Kronos Labs? Like, do you um, like how how closely do you work together with Crypto.com, and what is their say kind of in the development of the chain? So, at the protocol level, they are a very important contributor to the open source project. And so um, we listen very carefully to uh, their assessment of the code, um, their assessment of the security of various enhancements that we may be uh, able to, to put in place. A very good example of that is the, the bridge to Ethereum. So currently we are working on a bridge 
uh, a, a trustless bridge between uh, Kronos and Ethereum. And you know, if you compare Kronos with other chains, we're probably not the fastest when it comes to deploying a bridge. Right now, it's in testnet, and we're really taking our time to test it. And so you know, that's a reflection of you know, having people in our core team who are very security conscious. Uh, on the other hand, when it comes to what happens on top of the protocol, right? so the applications, you know, of course, uh, it's really uh, an open market. Right? So um, neither crypto.com nor us nor anyone else uh, is able to influence uh, or uh, have a voice in, in terms of which applications are going to be successful with users. Uh, and so you know, in that, from that standpoint, it's a completely open uh, and decentralized ecosystem. And where, where do you think does Kronos fit in like the whole, the global blockchain landscape kind of, if you look at like the, the blockchain trilemma, like it's always about like one side security, scalability and decentralization. And then there's obviously like the, the Bitcoin, which is like very secure, but less scalable and pretty centralized. And then you have other chains like that are leaning more towards like, um, being a little bit like more scalable, but like a little bit less decentralized, like a Solana or something. Um, like where, where does Chrono fit in, in this whole like realm? Um, so, so Chronos fits in a space that is very similar to Polygon and BNB chain uh, in the sense that uh, it is decentralized, but it will never claim that it's as decentralized as Ethereum. Um, and in a way, And you know, and it's it's meant to be uh, fast and cheap, and you know, our benchmarks in that respect are you know, Polygon and BNB chain. Now, I think when it comes to that blockchain trading, now it's a bit more nuanced and complex than simply you know trading off security, decentralization, and um, uh, scalability for a few reasons. So, first of all, I think that the idea that we're EVM compatible means that we're really kind of explicit uh, with users uh, when it comes to their ability to manage that trade-off. So we are not a walled garden. Uh, our users are able to uh, transfer their holdings uh, from and to uh, other EVM chains uh, with very little change in scenery. And so for them, you know, they, they know that if they want to hold some assets for the very, very long run, probably the best place to do that is Ethereum. But then if they want to get in and in, Uh, out of trading positions very quickly and to experiment with DeFi protocols, it's great to have a chain uh, where transaction fees are less and it's possible to do that uh, with small investment tickets. So I think we're, because we're not completely separate from Ethereum and we're part of the same ecosystem, we also, our users also inherit some of the security from Ethereum because they're always able to transfer their holdings there. And the other dimension that I think is oftentimes missing from that uh, trilemma is the notion of community. Uh, I think you know you could ask like why do we have 10 L1s and L2s that are all EVM compatible, and like wouldn't wouldn't it be simpler to have just one that is the the chain to rule all chains? And I think and I think part of the reason for that is that chains are kind of digital communities. Uh, in the real world, we have countries. Those countries speak different languages, and sometimes it's inefficient as well, right? That we don't speak all the same language. But uh, there are benefits also to having local governments, right? So we get we feel that the people who manage, you know, who govern us, are listening to us more. It's easier to get our voice heard. It's easier to be meaningful when we participate in local communities. 
And I think you're seeing the same thing when it comes to blockchain communities, only in the digital realm. Uh, so today, if you're a newcomer in Web3 and you get involved um, in Tectonic, which is a lending protocol, or VVS, which is an AAM on Kronos, and you make your voice heard through social media about things that you'd like the protocol to change or you know, different ways that you would like them to allocate their rewards, you're probably going to be listened to more than if you're trying to change the way that Ave or Yearn you know, are operating, which uh, has already been sort of um, decided by the early adopters uh, and the large uh, token holders. And so I think um, there is something to be said in that trilemma or you know, in that positioning around you know, Kronos being its own community with its own culture and um, uh, uh, key opinion leaders. Uh, and I think that defines very much how we differentiate from other chains as well. Cool. And how, how do you see the competition with other EVM chains? Like you already mentioned FMOS, for example, um, that they've been a contributor to Kronos actually, um, because they're also based on Cosmos SDK. They're like EVM compatible. So what's the, what's the competition landscape there for you? Uh, it's, it's very nuanced. Uh, so, you know, we love the Evmos team. Uh, our team has been working with them for a long time now, for years. And uh, even today, when it comes to upgrades uh, of Kronos and of Evmos, there are you know, frequent communications between the two teams uh, to, to seek uh, other opinions and decide on, on the best course of action. On the other hand, I think that even though the technology is similar, the ecosystem is very, very different. Uh, so again, I think Kronos is positioned as a chain uh, for, uh, I guess, for, the, for, for mainstream users, from users who come from the world of a crypto exchange, uh, who want to be able to move in and out of the chain as conveniently as possible. Uh, without speaking for Evmos, I, I think Evmos has been very successful as a community of perhaps more early adopters, pioneers who are you know, uh, interested in being at the bleeding edge of um, blockchain innovation and who are also very much engaged in the governance of the protocol itself. And so I think those are two communities with very little overlap, uh, even though there are some technical foundations that we both rely on. So I think there's a place for, for both. That makes sense, yeah. And then obviously, like you, you have a very different consensus model at Kronos, which is like a, a proof of authority um, model. And like maybe you can shed some light on like how does this work exactly? Like how can one become like one of those uh, authorities that validates the chain? Um, and how is that going to develop over the next years? Like how will the consensus look like at Kronos in like let's say five years or something? The so. The, 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 so under the hood, the blockchain consensus that Kronos relies on is called Tendermint. Tendermint is basically a proof of stake consensus. However, we have made several changes to it uh, that have somewhat changed the nature of that consensus. And, and the main change that we have made to it is that even though it's a proof of stake consensus, not anyone can become a validator. Uh, in order to become a validator, you need the other validators to accept you. Uh, and then even when you're a validator, the token that you use uh, that represents your stake in the network, it's not a, it's not a stake in Crow, which is the, the token used for transaction fees on Kronos. It's a token that is a, a separate uh, digital object. We just call it the staking token. And it's a token that is purely used uh, for governance and slashing purposes. 
Um, so all, all, all in all, what it means is that uh, under the hood, uh, we have leveraged the Tendermint consensus, which is very robust and provides us with a lot of ways to evolve uh, and change the governance over time if we choose to. However, for the, for the time being, because we're a chain that is uh, targeting mainstream users, and because for us, scalability is the number one priority, we felt that it is much more important right now to focus on scalability than on decentralization of the consensus further. So today we have 27 validators and it's good enough to be somewhat decentralized you know, at a level that is somewhere in between a BNB chain and Polygon. Uh, but before we further extend the set of validators, um, we want to make sure that we have optimized the network enough so that it is much, much faster. So, uh, you know, short story is because we're built on the Tethermint consensus, um, we, are, we have the flexibility to decentralize and make the consensus evolve over time uh, if we want to. Uh, but right now we're focused more on stability and uh, scalability uh, and we'll focus on decentralization later. All right. Yeah. And um, like, how, how do you personally, like, let, let's say from like an end user perspective, if someone owns like CRO tokens, um, like what's the difference between locking them up in like a crypto.com app, for example, or in the, in the wallet or like investing it or like bringing it on chain um, on the Kronos chain and um, lending it in some DeFi protocol or something. What's the what's the end user experience there, and what, what are the trade-offs or differences for for an end user? So I think again, it's it's part of a journey. Um, when you are staking your CRO uh, on Crypto.com, you have fairly. You know, first of all, the experience is very simple, and also what you get in return is fairly explicit and easy to understand. You put CRO, you get CRO in return. Uh, you, you know as well as I do that uh, when you invest in a, in a DeFi protocol on a chain, um, there's an API, or so there's an annual yield that is displayed on the website. But that annual yield um, you know, comes in various flavors. Right? It comes in different tokens. There's the token that you invested. And then you get also the, that, that yield is boosted by the protocol token, uh, which uh, is here to lure uh, early adopters. And then you can further boost that reward by staking the protocol token and uh, uh, moving from smart contract to smart contract, well, you know, which I think many people know how to do. But it's just a bit more tricky uh, for an, a, a first-time user. And there's, of course, a higher chance that you will make a mistake if you're doing it for the first time or if you're doing it without someone to, to advise you. So, uh, of, of course, I think people sort of know now that um, DeFi is a... Um, the realm of DeFi is a realm where you can uh, hope to achieve higher returns uh, for your crypto investments. At the same time, it's riskier um, and entails more uncertainty around how much you're going to earn. And so again, it's part of a journey and it's part of the journey of make, you know, doing research and understanding better what kind of financial instruments you are interacting with. What, what, what would you say are the best like yield opportunities on Kronos right now? Like obviously there are, there are a lot of DeFi protocols on Kronos. Like um, which ones are like good for someone like who's who's starting like in the Kronos ecosystem and would like to explore some of the dApps that are deployed on Kronos? Um, can you um, recommend any of them or like can you like point someone in the in the right direction? Someone looking for yield in the Kronos ecosystem. 
yeah so the 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 tree um i mean the three traditional ways that you would uh, generate yield on your crypto exist on Kronos as they exist on other chains, right? So the first way is uh, you're by providing liquidity to a uh, decentralized exchange. Uh, you're providing liquidity, getting a return for that. Uh, the second way uh, that you can earn yield is by lending your crypto to someone who's usually going to use it for uh, short-term uh, trading opportunities. And the third way is uh, through staking, you know, so giving your, your crypto to be staked in the uh, in some protocol. Those three ways exist um, on Kronos. And I think depending on the, right now in the current market, the main difficulty that you, you know, for investors is not so much choosing the kind of instrument, but choosing the underlying crypto that they feel they can like keep their holdings in. Uh, and that is going to be, uh, sufficiently stable in the long run. Right? So I think for many people today, let's be honest, uh, they're keeping their holdings in USDC, USDT, or some form of stable coin. And so for that, um, the type, you know, you have protocols like Ferro, F-E-R-R-O, uh, which is similar to Curve on Ethereum, right? which are uh, specifically designed to provide liquidity for stable coins. And so they provide yield on those. And for, so, for people who have like low risk appetite, those are probably the, the, most, the most straightforward uh, ways to invest. And then, of course, you can also take the view that uh, we're you know, near the low of crypto markets. Uh, therefore, the, the, the downside risk uh, is almost um, uh, like fully absorbed. And therefore, you can, you, you can choose to uh, invest some of, some of your holdings in riskier cryptocurrencies like CRO, like ETH, etc. And then you, know, uh, you have uh, AMMs like VVS or MMF. Uh, or um, uh, decentralized lending protocols like Tectonic, which are you know, perfectly suitable for that. But then the, the issue is you don't know how long it's going to take for, market, uh, for markets to recover. It could take months or a year or more. And so you need to make sure that you uh, are patient and don't need that money for your day-to-day -day expenses. Right. And then, so just for understanding, so um, CRO on the Kronos chain cannot be delegated or staked with a validator, right? Correct. Uh, however, right. uh, you you can invest it in uh, what's called liquid staking protocols, right? So right now there's one called Argo. So Argo is a, is a DeFi protocol on Kronos. Uh, you put your CRO in Argo, in the Argo protocol. That CRO is going to be bridged over to the crypto.org chain, where it's going to be staked uh, in a network of uh, CRO or crypto.org validators. And then the yields are going to be uh, sent back to uh, Kronos. So there are ways to take advantage of the crypto.org. I mean, there's, there are ways to take advantage of CRO staking uh, on Kronos, even though that staking does not happen natively on Kronos. All right. Yeah, that's, that's very exciting, actually. Um, especially when you have the liquidity of that on the Kronos chain and can potentially even like deploy it in another default protocol, like the, the staked CRO, for example. Um, no, that's very exciting. Um, and what do you think makes a good validator compared to like crypto.org chain, like on, on Kronos, you said you have 27 validators there. Um, what makes a good validator on Kronos and what makes a good validator on crypto.org chain? 
so I will answer for Kronos. So I'm not directly involved in the governance or management of crypto.org. Yeah. I'm in touch with the teams, but I can't really speak for them. Uh, when it comes to Kronos, uh, as I said before, we are prioritizing the stability and scalability of the network. Uh, what that means is that we are uh, often deploying testnets to um, try out various upgrades and optimizations of the network. And we expect uh, the validators to participate in those testnets uh, and give us feedback. And so at this particular point in our development, what really matters to Kronos is that the validators are technically savvy, able to run uh, other networks as validators so that they have comparison points uh, and you know, able to react you know, with a few hours notice in case um, any issue arises or we need to uh, implement a security upgrade. Uh, so we're right now prioritizing professional validators who are you know, companies who have run staking as a service nodes or you know, uh, who are running uh, endpoints on other networks, uh, as well as you know, cloud partners of uh, Kronos. And, and those are the, typically the validators today. Awesome. Yeah. So it's really like favoring like the, the high performance validator companies at this point. Yeah. Um, and so, so why should the developer build on Kronos chain? Like what's the USP of Kronos, you would say? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, there is Crofan. So Crofan is uh, the Twitter uh, hashtag that we use to denote the Kronos family. So C-R-O-F-A-M. Uh, so Crofan represents everyone who directly or indirectly is a holder or user of the Crow token, which includes all the crypto.com users, the crypto.org users, and the Kronos users. So that's 50 million people around the world. And when you refer to the total addressable size of, of the Web3 market, you know, 350 million people, it's very significant. Um, so uh, for most developers, what the reason why they are developing on Kronos is because they want to have access uh, to those 50 million addressable users. And we are, um, you know, part of our value proposition is access and visibility, uh, even though, of course, not all 50 million are ready to experience self-custody right now. So it's going to be a gradual process. Right now, about a million of them are active on Kronos. Uh, the second uh, part of the value proposition um, is um, that this user base that I'm talking about um, is extremely attractive. On one hand, they are uh, familiar with crypto. On the other hand, they are not uh, like hardcore, all-time Ethereum users. Right? So they are a good testing ground if your goal is to create an application that is going to be appealing to the next generation of Web3 users. And that's particularly true, I think, of uh, you know, for gaming developers. Right? Gaming developers, they know that uh, as the market evolves, it's not possible to build a sustainable business if you're just building your game for crypto investors who expect their token to uh, quickly increase in value uh, and then are going to move on to the next, next project. Uh, as a game developer, if you're building games for Web3, you want uh, users who are at the core you know, gamers and um, who are using your application for entertainment. And so the Kronos user base really fits that persona and is really eager to try those applications. So I think it's really a great testing ground before you move to 
uh, other chains and uh, you, you further grow. And I think the, the third element of the value proposition is, of course, Kronos Labs itself. So Kronos Labs is the entity that uh, is uh, helping developers uh, in their journey of, of developing on Kronos chain. Uh, so we have, um, so we provide marketing visibility, we provide grants, we, pro we have an accelerator program, uh, we provide technical assistance. And so generally speaking, we are trying to be as developer friendly as we can, um, especially now that the market is a bit tougher for everyone. Right. Yeah. And uh, like looking into the future, like what will be the next big milestone for Kronos? Like wh what can like the whole ecosystem or like wh what is the ecosystem excited about and what's the next, like the, the big catalyst for Kronos? There's going to, so just you know, by virtue of our size, we're not a niche chain. So there are quite a few things that um, are on the agenda for us. Uh, and not just a single one, but let me just take, I think, three examples of things that are going to be interesting. So first of all, I think we're going to see a reinvention of DeFi in the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, and what I, what I mean by that is that uh, the traditional uh, DEX or AMM model um, has somewhere, somehow reached its limits uh, because it is too reliant on uh, protocol rewards uh, to attract liquidity. Uh, because most DEXs are attracting liquidity from regular users like you and me, so they need to provide you know, 5-10% liquidity rewards. And that's really hard for a DEX to, to, to support uh, if you, at the same time, are, are trying to offer low transaction fees. So we're going to have to, to see a migration uh, of those protocols towards protocols that operate order books and are much more similar to how traditional capital markets operate. I think it's going to be very excited, exciting because as a result, we're going to see um, DeFi protocols that are much more sustainable and rely less on early adopter rewards. Uh, the second vertical that I'm very excited about is, of course, Web3 Gaming. We had a huge uh, surge in interest for Web3 games, you know, with Axie Infinity and, you know, until kind of uh, the market cooled down. I think now when we're looking at the companies that we accelerate, we're sensing that people are taking the learnings from Axie Infinity and you're really rethinking from the ground up what a Web3 game should look like and how sustainably, how sustainable it should be from a financial standpoint. And I think, again, in the next you know, 12 months, we're going to see very, very interesting uh, projects. And third vertical uh, is social. Right? So I think we are now uh, starting to hear about a social web three, uh, what it means to build notifications, messaging, identity on top of web three. We don't really know what it's going to look like yet. Uh, on Kronos, we have a, a new protocol called Kronos uh, ID, which is meant to explore um, those avenues of innovation. Uh, but I think that opens up a huge a catalog of use cases that we haven't really um, completely uh, grasped, and it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, it really looks like, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things coming, um, so I'm, I'm very excited. Um, like, what, what are you personally most excited about, like, looking into the, the future of Kronos, like, from, from a personal standpoint? Yeah, so I'm um, right now from a, you know, intellectually and also you know, as, a, as a, I guess as a user, the the third category that I mentioned before, right? So the social web three, 
Uh, I think it's the one that I'm most excited about, just because I, I think it's. Uh, the, I've been now in crypto for a while, and so we I've worked on multiple uh, decentralized identity projects. You know, everyone, you know, more or less, you know, failed or struggled to find its market, and I feel that right now we are at the cusp of something that could really um, gain broad broad adoption. Uh, I'm just very excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like about time, really. Um, it's like many projects already started starting this and many learnings basically already out there. Um, and like, if, if you personally look back, like in the, in the last uh, few months or even years, like what would you say is your, your last very big learning in crypto? Or like, when did you change your mind on something big that you, that you always held for, for true? And then you, you realized it's actually not true or like, yeah, when, when did you change your mind on something? Uh, so I'll be very honest. Um, I think the Terra, the collapse of Terra, was a big uh, moment for me. Um, not because I lost money personally, but because I think there were enough very smart people around me uh, who were you know, explaining to me how Terra was the next big thing in, in blockchain uh, and was breaking ground that. Uh, the others were too timid to explore. Um, and, you know, I think there are always people who are going to tell you that they predicted the end of Terra and knew that uh, UST was not sustainable. But I'll be very honest, you know, when DAI appeared first and when uh, Uniswap appeared first, I think none of us knew for sure that they would grow to become such um, important foundations of the Web3 ecosystem. And so... Uh, you know, again, I think for, for me, the, the collapse, the sudden collapse of Terra was a big uh, shock and eye opener um, because so many people were around me were um, convinced that the ecosystem was here to stay. And the main learning for me is just like it's a reminder that uh, it's uh, uh, we need to be very cautious, especially when, like me, we're in positions to influence where people are going to invest their money and, and how. Um, you know, right now we're implementing bridges, we're implementing protocol upgrades. All of those carry very significant risks. And what happened to Terra is a daily reminder of the responsibility that we carry and the, of the importance of being humble uh, and not thinking that um, we can, um, uh, we, we should like discount the advice of others uh, and believe in our own uh, you know, and, and only listen to our close circle of um, uh, uh, friends and advisors. Yeah, no, very, very well said, Ken. Um, I, I think it's extremely important that we, as like building infrastructure for this space, um, are like aware of the responsibilities that that come with it, and also be very self-critical in, in anything because it's yeah, obviously. Um, the DeFi space is holding like so much money and monetary value from so many people and families. Um, Obviously, there's a, yeah, and, and it is very risky. It's a new industry um, and a lot of things can happen and can, can be wrong as well in the beginning. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. So uh, moving over to the community questions, uh, if anyone still has some questions, just drop them in the chat here. Um, we'll start with the question from Jamie. Like, what would you say, Ken, like is the difference between BNB chain and Kronos chain comparing them, them two? Yeah. So from a uh, technology standpoint, they are very similar. 
and have kind of a similar origin story in the sense that they are both uh, closely associated with one of the world's largest exchanges. At the same time, my observation is that um, their communities do not overlap a lot. Um, in, in fact, I, I think the, uh, the you know, when we ask Chronos um, like users you know, to which chains they would like to see bridges, uh, the BNB chain you know, is you know, part of the top five, but it's not at the very top. And for me, the, you know, the conclusion that I draw from this is that it's a little bit like asking, you know, like what's uh, what's the difference between like you know, France and Germany, right? So those are two neighboring countries. They have lots of similarities, uh, but at the same time, they have their own culture, ecosystem of companies, uh, ecosystem of innovation, and I think um, you know, having those two separate and having their own paths maximizes the chances that we are going to see uh, innovative protocols. And so, as a user, I think you should not look at the chains itself. Uh, those are less and less relevant to some extent. Uh, you should look more at the innovation that is happening at the application level. And maybe for some of, their, for some of your uses, uh, it will be, you know, there, there will be an interesting protocol on, on BNB chain. For another use, there will be a great game on, on Kronos. And I think that's the, the level at which you should, like, you should look. Right, yeah. Would you say, like, actually, Kronos, because Binance also has two chains, right? The BNB chain and the Binance Smart Chain. Um, wouldn't actually the Binance Smart Chain, which has these smart contract capabilities, also be like more closely the equivalent to Kronos? Um, or like, how? Wh where would you see like the the equivalent there? Can could we yeah, say? Yeah, so like, so definitely. Yeah. So BNB Chain and Kronos. Uh, uh, so the Binance Smart Chain and Kronos are the two EVM chains. Uh, they are both in the top five. Uh, so we are both in the top five worldwide of EVM chains. Uh, so there, there are again lots of similarities bet between the two, but also again I think more complementarities than uh, similarities. I think there's there's a reason for both to exist, and there's a reason for both of those communities to exist. Um, if you ask people from BNB Chain, uh, you know, as the, you know, as you know, if you ask people from, from Ethereum or from Arbitrum or from Polygon, they will probably all say that their mission is like in life is not really to fight with the other chains uh, for a bigger uh, slice of the pie. We're all trying to grow the pie and quite convinced that as long as we do our job well and serve our communities well, uh, we'll grow and we'll all be around five or 10 years from now. So that's the priority, that's the priority right now. Awesome. And then we have another question from Benedict, which is uh, what will bring the broad adoption that you mentioned? So basically, um, I think you, you mentioned in general, like obviously like crypto.com has a large user base and having access there, but um, like where, where do you see the um, broad adoption coming from? I'll be very uh, honest and I think you know cautious in my answer because I think education and uh, the gradual you know, and word of mouth um, are the biggest factors that can contribute to healthy adoption. Uh, so what I mean by that is, of course, you know, when you've been in crypto for a while, you know that there are cycles. When prices go up, everyone gets excited and tells their friends, hey, you should invest in crypto. And there's kind of overheating of the system, uh, which you know, results in uh, uh, a cool down later on. Uh, 
And to some extent, I think it's fair to say that a good portion of the new users that we acquired during the bull market, and especially at the end, you know, suffered losses and are now you know, perhaps lost to us uh, for you know, a few years until they, they feel convinced again by crypto. Uh, so I think you, know, you have uh, booms and busts, but uh, at the core, you have, I guess, what I would call sustainable growth, which is people who, uh, through word of mouth, uh, discover crypto, understand really how it works, and are able to have a rational uh, adoption of it. And I think this takes time, right? There's no way, there's no shortcut. Um, it takes a lot of time. Of course, we are all working to make uh, the UI um, uh, easier to understand. With Crypto.com, we're working a lot on what we call the on-ramp, which is the, that step where you convert fiat into crypto and vice versa, because we know that those are friction points. Uh, but you know, to some extent, those are tactical measures. Right? At the core, what we need to do is educate um, uh, and take the time for people to understand how to use crypto. Awesome. Really cool. So yeah, thanks so much for being on the show, Ken. Um, it, was, it was really great. Uh, I learned a lot today. Um, what would be the best way for someone listening now to like follow the latest development of Kronos in general and of you personally? Um, what are the best channels to like stay up to date? Yeah, so despite what I said about the future, you know, social web three coming to social, we're still uh, big users of uh, web two social media channels. Um, so the Chronos chain Twitter account uh, or Twitter handle is at Chronos underscore chain, uh, and my Twitter account is Ken Timzit uh, in one word. And so those are the best ways to uh, monitor the latest development in our ecosystem. Awesome. Yeah, sounds really good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what's coming next for Kronos. Um, thanks for being on the show again. And for everyone watching, um, if you want to listen to like more conversations like this, just uh, check out our channel and feel free to subscribe to the channel. Um, if you have not already, um, to like we, we have one episode every Monday. So um, yeah, just subscribe, tune in. Um, don't miss the next episodes. We have great guests coming there. And obviously also feel free to listen to the last episodes. We are on uh, YouTube and Spotify, actually. Um, so yeah, just check out the last episodes and um, also let us know in the comments like who you would like to see next on Stacking Mondays. Um, any suggestions, any feedback is very welcome. And uh, for Ken, for the audience, uh, I'm Mirko. And as always, happy staking. Thanks, Mirko. Bye.